Thank you, snowboarding. Hey friends, how you doing? My name is Chris Cracknell. You are listening to Thank You Snowboarding in association with the Snowboard Asylum. It's a podcast that dives into UK snowboard culture, past and present. But this week we're going really far back. Furthest back we've been so far to meet a guy called Stuart Duncan, who was one of the true pioneers of snowboarding in the UK. And funnily enough, lives around the corner from me. Um, We bumped into each other a few years ago at a wedding. The wedding of uh, mutual friends, Ben and Charlie. And by complete coincidence, we were sat next to each other. Now, Charlie and Ben knew a bit about my snowboarding background, but they had absolutely no idea about what Stuart had contributed to the sport in this country. So that was a pretty crazy coincidence. Um, One that wasn't lost on me at the time. And certainly when we were thinking about putting this podcast together, it was like, right, Stuart has to be one of the first. So, yeah, he came over a a few weeks ago and we sat down to sort of a bit of reminiscing, but I found out a lot more about his story than I could have really ever known. I didn't realise that he was literally one of the first people to call up Burton Snowboards in America to find out where he could find one and to be out there doing it by himself in Scotland. So, yeah, it's an interesting tale and he actually kind of wrapped his head around snowboarding a little bit more than maybe someone else might have done at the time. Trying to get a little bit of an infrastructure together, get a bit of a scene together and sort of push things forward. So yeah, I love this conversation with Stuart and I hope you do too. So, well, let's just get into it. Um, here we go, Stuart Duncan. Um, so what, like, what did snowboarding look like when you first saw it? Like, where did you see it? Like, and how did you see like, what, did, what, what the fuck was going on there? I think my earliest memory was the James Bond film, A View to a Kill, mm. which came out around about 84, 85. 84, isn't it? Something like that. And I remember watching that first sequence where the snowmobile blew up and yeah. just like a, a, a ski off the, off the um, skidoo and yeah. James jumps on it and he surfs down the the hill and at the bottom he goes across a stretch of water and that's it the guys in the ski and skis couldn't follow him i remember seeing that and that just oh my god that just blew me away you know having come from a skateboarding and bmx background but when i saw that i was just like i've got to do that surfing on snow that was just the most amazing thing where did you grow up uh in aberdeen so what's the relation from Aberdeen to the mountains there? Uh, about an hour's drive to Glenshee. So and were you, did you go up into the highlands from there? Yeah, well, what happened then was, is that I saw, I saw, I saw it on, on this James Bond film. Yeah. And then I dug up an old Thrasher magazine yeah. and I found an article on snowboarding. And I think there was an advert in there for Burton Snowboards. I called them, they're in Vermont, yeah. to say, look, where can I get one of these snowboards? Yeah, yeah. And they had just newly appointed a distributor in London called Marky Trade. So right. I called Marky Trade and gave them a load of bullshit and basically bought two boards from them, one for me, one for my mate, Cammy Bain. Yeah. And we got the boards, no idea what to do, you know, how to use them. But we lived in Aberdeen, close to Glenshee. So we drove up to Glenshee one Saturday afternoon and yeah. not even sure if we we're going to be allowed on the hill because I don't think they'd really ever seen snowboards. Yeah, yeah. 
So, you know, strapped them on and um, tried to go down the hill. Well, of course, it was a complete disaster. You know, the first day was just <laughs> falling over constantly. I mean, no, no idea what to do. And um, but we both, you know, really enjoyed it. And the, th the thing is, even then, we were wearing moon boots. And of course, moon boots were hopeless because you couldn't lace them up. So you kept coming out, coming out. <laughs> like the CNA jobs. Yeah, yeah, because we didn't have any yeah. proper gear. Yeah, yeah. He'd been skiing. Cammy had been skiing, but I'd never been skiing. So we went back the second weekend and we used hiking boots, and they right. were they were much better because we were obviously strapped in properly. Yeah. What boards were you using then? They were Burton Elite One Fifties. Yeah. Nice. And um, so then we. After a couple of times, you know, you know that feeling, you're going, you're falling all over the place and all of a sudden you link the turn and then, yeah. you're, then you're off and we were down the hill and luckily nobody from the lift company at Glenshee kind of said anything. They just kind of let us get on with it. Yeah. And, um, and, and, and that was it. You know, we were just hooked, absolutely hooked. Were you skating before then? Because I, I, our mutual friend Ben was saying that you'd built a skate park in Aberdeen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... The big thing for me was, was really BMX, and we were sponsored by Vincent Frames down here in mm. Rottingdean. And, you know, we competed, raced, freestyle the works. Yeah. And then we kind of drifted into skateboarding. And um, we had this um, big warehouse in Aberdeen that my dad managed to convince a friend of his who owned this empty warehouse to let us use this warehouse. So we, we, we had our ramps in there, BMX ramps. And yeah. then I took it upon myself one day, well, let's build a half pipe. So coming from a kind of construction background, you know, I was only 17, we managed to get a lot of wood together and we yeah. built this half pipe. At the time, and this is going back to like SS20 days when Mon had his ramp and, sure. yeah. you know, and, and everyone else, but it was the biggest in the UK at the time. I always remember it was 24 foot wide, eight foot high with a four foot canyon in the middle. And, um, and we kind of got into skateboarding. Uh, but I was never that never that good at skateboarding. I could ride the ramp, but I couldn't really do anything amazing. Right. But what happened was, of course, word spread. We would go there in the evenings, myself, Adrian, Steve Crampton, Mark Webster, and practice. Mm. Um, and then at the weekends, we would have this posse. All these kids would turn up because they heard about it. So, and then we had like pro skaters coming up, like Davy Phillips, Cubic, right. Aljo, and all these guys would, would turn up. Yeah. And of course... They never had any money, so they wouldn't want to stay in a hotel or a B&B. They'd want to crash in the warehouse overnight. So I'd have to leave them there, go home at 10 o'clock on a Saturday night and just worry that, you know, that when I come back the next morning, the building would still be standing. But it, it, it was okay. But that, that, that carried on for the best part of six months. But I was really getting into snowboarding then. And as the winter came round, yeah. the liability of running this, this ramp, and we weren't charging for it. I just thought, you know what? I really want, just want to go snowboarding every weekend. I don't want to be right. in that warehouse. Right. So we just decided to dismantle it, get rid of it, so we could concentrate on snowboarding. And then, you know, it was the best thing I ever did. So were you sort of, when you went snowboarding, were you thinking of, like, what was the influences? Because obviously there wasn't many influences to see what it was that anybody else was doing. So what were you sort of doing? Were you trying to do skate tricks and things, or were you just, like, literally riding around and we were, sort of working it out? We were riding out, but we were very aware that it was it was coming from a ska skating influence and yeah. that you could, you know, could do tricks. And it seemed obvious that there would be half pipes and you could ride in, although there was no half pipes at Glen Shee. But, you know, that's what we, that's what we strive for. And it was all about getting air. It was all about, you know, trying to jump. You never want to be just riding down, yeah. you know, riding down the hill, following someone else, like what the skiers did. We saw it as it was very much individual and you were trying to create your, you know, to create your own style. 
So, but I mean, I, we, we got inspiration because because Market Trade had had I think one snowboarding video that we bought, which would have had like Craig Kelly yeah. riding in it and yeah, yeah, some yeah. some other guys. So from the states, so you you knew where you were heading when you were watching okay. them. You know, it was like that. That's where we need to go. So we had plenty of inspiration. Then obviously, as the years carried on, more and more videos came out where you you know you got the inspiration from. Did you get any? Were you getting any grief, or were you getting like props from anybody else up on the mountain? Like were people interested in what you do? Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of interest. People were like, "Wow, I've never seen that before." Especially once we started to get the hang of it. Yeah, you know, we could ride down the mountain competently. I mean, yeah, there was a lot. There was a lot of interest. People, you know, had never seen anything like it before. So, you know, that was that was good fun. You were kind of, and of course, you know, we were kind of wearing skate style type. You know, I had a notion. I remember I had a notion Pacific snowboarding jacket or skiing jacket. You know, we yeah. weren't wearing what the skiers were wearing. No, I think we'd progressed onto Sorel boots by that point. They were like the high tech footwear. You know, boots to wear. You know, they leaked like crazy, but they were better than the the, the hiking boots or the yeah, or, or, sure. the, or the moon boots. And um, and I think the first season we did it, I think we really ever saw anyone else snowboarding at all. Yeah. Um, it wasn't until I, I think the next year. Oh well, no, sorry. By this point, of course, my other mates. So Cami was really into it. Yeah. Adrian came along. Mark Webster came along, and they all wanted to do it. Steve Crampton, they all wanted to do it as well. So they all bought boards. Yeah. And of course, there was then there was a kind of posse of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I think the next year we, I went with my girlfriend to the Josef Fernandez snowboard camp in Switzerland, and I remember Bert Lamar was there as one of the instructors. And that's where I first really started to meet proper. What was it like then, sort of walking into an environment where there are way more snowboarders? That must have been quite mental. And it like was having a mountain to yourself, essentially, to then being amongst this culture. That must have been quite a shock. Yeah, and it was a shock, but it was it was a it was a nice shock as yeah. well because you could tell this. You know, it's still such a new sport. Yeah, but you knew this sport. This this is going to go somewhere, and you know when you had these kind of pro riders there as well it was like a proper snowboard camp i paid to be on and they had a kind of small half pipe and um it was you could just there was just such a buzz and an energy that this this was a this new sport was was gonna was really gonna take off did you feel that oh yeah absolutely yeah right from the start i knew from kind of after that first weekend that this was this sport's got a future definitely so what happened then like obviously you did you you eventually were hooked up by bird weren't you did you ever arrive? Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, well, well the, again, I then just was obsessed on going on snowboarding holidays, and yeah. um, I, I then, I think myself and Cam and the boys, we went to, I think it was still with my girlfriend. We went to Teen, and um, we were in Teen for like a week, and I remember walking along the street, whatever in Teen, and I spotted these three guys that were wearing Vans. Mm. But back then, if someone wore Vans, it meant they were into skateboarding yeah. or BMX. You know, you, you didn't wear them. Yeah. They weren't a fashion a fashion brand. So I got chatting to him, and it turned out to be uh, Dave Ferno and okay. Ian Cocking and, and, and someone else. So th- and they were and they were boarding. Yeah, they they were there boarding. So we hooked up with them and went boarding with them, and then that was really the kind of start of realizing that there were there were other people in the UK. Yeah, interest little pockets yeah little pockets of you know and then they knew people like jeff parr and in, in wales and you know yeah. and, and, and and put us in touch with other people so you know we had a kind of contact with, with other other snowboarders after that 
Yeah, it blows my mind that there's just these people discovering this thing and not knowing not knowing anyone else is doing it, but like, yeah, this is something really special. Yeah. And this is so much fun and it gets me out there and not knowing anyone else is doing it. Yeah. Like I remember I saw it on a, I went with a school to um, Austria. I think I was in the fifth, must have been in the fifth year of school. And just going up above the clouds and seeing mountains blew my mind. Yeah. You know, like that was almost enough. And I was skiing a bit and it was fine. And I saw a guy on a snowboard and just remember thinking like that, that's the pinnacle. That's, that's yeah. the coolest, possibly the coolest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, How do I get to do that? And then not knowing anything about it and then sort of seeing the first issue of Snowboard UK in Charing Cross Station, WH Smiths, <laughs> thinking, holy shit, there's a, like there's other people do, you know, there's a thing. This is a thing. Yeah, Adrian's, on the, front, Adrian's on the front cover. He was, yeah. yeah. Not grabbing. No. <laughs> Some things <laughs> never change. Yeah, so how did you get, like, how did you get hooked up with Burton? Like, what happened to, um, do, well, again, to get there? Well, we were, again, we were really, really new to it. And and um, I decided straight away there'd be a market in selling boards. Right. Uh, but then what happened was Market Trade then lost the distributorship and it went to Second Level Sport. Second Level, of course. At yeah. Feltham. And um, I very early got in touch with uh, Phil and Rick, who owned it, and basically probably badgered them to sponsor me as you know, a, 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 as a rider. Yeah. And, um, and you know, because there wasn't very many of us then, it was quite easy to do. So, yeah, I, I kind of started riding for, riding for Burton then. What was it like when you got that first package? What did they send you? What was like the first package? Well, at the same time, what I also did as kind of part of the deal was I set up as a snowboard shop. So I bought a load of stock from them and mm. I set up a kind of to sell boards and, and, and bindings and stuff just kind of from my from my garage almost no and so I was kind of involved with them in a kind of business side yeah. and and riding side um but it was always exciting to get you know when we, I remember when we moved away from the Burton Elite 150 up to the next range I think was called the Cruiser range they had and these were all big long boards you know for, for, yeah, for riding yeah, yeah. they weren't short boards but um it was always exciting you know well you knew yourself when you bought a new board or you got course, into new yeah. you know it was great and then, of course another big thing that happened not long after that, I think it was maybe 1988, we had the kind of the first proper competition in the UK. It was sponsored by the Sun newspaper at Glen Sheen. It was kind of the British... <laughs> Sun was, newspaper. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember if it was the Scottish Snowboard Championships or the Britain. It was probably called the Scottish Snowboard Championships. And and we had a uh, like a giant slalom and a kind of freestyle event. Yeah. And um, I was really friendly with my mate Noel Gado. Dutch guy, yeah, nine years he, he lived in Aberdeen, and he was really into it as well. And you know, we, we raced, and I think for that first competition, there was maybe 35, 40 people turned up. Like, Blimey, yeah, like you know, Jeff and Dave, and they all came up. Yeah. Because by that point, it was the word was growing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was, um, you know, it was a, it was a really good kind of starting event. Um, and I think not long after that, I decided that we needed some kind of magazine or zine or something. So I started a a little publication called Hyperactive just to try and, and it was just like a little photocopied zine just yeah. to try and kind of keep everyone together and find out what was going on. And I did that. There wasn't very many of them ever produced. Although Jeremy always tells me he's still got his copies of them and I've still got the original copies, but um, you know, that helped kind of just kickstart the whole 
yeah, it's interesting you felt the need to try and like, okay, we need to sort of corral this a yeah. little bit and we need to sort of get everyone together on this. Yeah, I thought I thought it was important to just to, because it was such such, you know, so early days. Yeah. And there was no real kind of focal uh, you know, central well, you didn't have the internet back then, did you? So I mean it no. was all you know, it was difficult to communicate. So um, But talking with Ed Lee about this, you know, kind of it was something that snowboarding did really well was like kind of keep themselves like we own this yeah and he you know sort of we touched on it briefly he's like sort of we've sort of given that away now and it's a real shame because for a long time snowboarders own snowboarding oh yeah completely and it yeah. was a, like a you can't just step in here with money or whatever and tell us what to do <laughs> and that made for crazy times i think yeah yeah no i remember i mean you know i think there are lots of stories but like when Ian Felton from Chaos came along, you know, he was kind of the first person or Ben from Esprit de Keep, you know, mm. these were people that all of a sudden had money and they put a lot of money into sport and they got involved in the distribution side and yeah. importing and distributing and that's when it really started to kind of, you know, take off. And, and obviously then, you know, Jeremy was there from the start. I, don't, I mean, I can't remember how we first met Jeremy, but, um, oh, I know how we met Jeremy. Um, there was a Sims distributor called Rodney George right. and he distributed Sims boards. And Jeremy got a job with him to as his salesperson. So Jeremy right. was traveling all over the UK. So we obviously got hooked up with him pretty pretty quickly. Yeah. And it's funny that he's then become like this sort of, you know, he's a bit like the glue in the scene as well, because yeah. he that's what he would have been doing, I guess, going around. He knew it, he would have known everyone. Yeah. He would have been he, like he would have been like the internet of the day, you know. He was the internet of the day because he was always traveling around going to shops, trying to convince shops to buy boards, you know, and, yeah. um, and he was been hooking up with these different groups in different parts of the country and kind of spreading the words. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Jeremy was really the, you know, an instrumental figure in pushing it. And amazingly that he's still, he's still, you know, just as active today. Still in the trenches, isn't he? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. I can't, I'm looking forward to the conversation we have with him. Yeah. But, um, Something that I or sort of got talked about a lot to do with, I guess, not just the Scottish snowboard scene, but the snowboard scene at the time was there was a lot of partying. No, no, you must be mistaking this. It must be some other sport. <laughs> but, I could, but that's, but I, you know, I think that sort of goes hand in hand. It was like, you know, we are in charge of this thing and we can make the rules of how we're going to live our lives. Yeah, well, uh, we were all young. We were all in our kind of late teens, you yeah, know, early twenties. So, and you know, I mean, I remember Tony Brown opened the original Snowboard, Snowboard Academy, Academy, yeah, you know, in Aviemore, and that was a real focal point for everyone to congregate. And yeah, you know, and Aviemore was famous for the pubs and drinking, so everyone used to stay there all the time, you know. And every weekend, it was a, it was it was definitely drunken. Yeah. But I think in the sort of snowboard, it, it it kind of lends itself to a hedonistic thing, or it was certainly associated with a hedonistic lifestyle for yeah. a long time. Yeah. And I wonder, like, what the difference to people getting into snowboarding, that, like, that connection is just completely severed, or whether there is still that thing, you know. It probably still exists, doesn't it? Because you've got, like, was it Snowbomb and Hintertooks or those... Yeah, I don't know. Is that still going? I think it's still going, yeah. 
you know, whether it's, and it's all really young, you know, whenever, yeah. you, whenever you've got younger kids, then I think it would still happen. But, you know, it's um, back then it was a big, it was a, you know, a big part of it. I mean, even when we were doing competitions and championships, we'd all be up late drinking heavily. Yeah. But I think it was that same thing, day. wasn't it? It was like big get together with a massive extended family. Yeah. You know, even like the dry slope comps and all that sort of stuff, the Sheffield. That's right. Everyone went. Yeah. Everyone and camped was, over. And everyone camped over and you got to see all these people that you sort yeah. of only saw at other dry slopes. That's right. Sporadically throughout the year. So it was like a, a reason to have a party. Mm. Yeah. No, definitely. And, and they seemed to go hand in hand. Yeah, they did. You know, enough people came up just to spectate to be at the parties and to watch what was going on. Yeah. On the slopes as well as you know, as opposed to actually being involved in the competing, you know. That's right. Yeah, no, it was. Um, and then, of course, then the other thing, big thing that happened was Snowboard UK came along, you know, Eddie mm. and Stig set up the magazine. And that was a big, big, I think, turning point when that came along. And and then the British Snowboard Association kind of got yeah. formed, you know, along. Did you breathe time. a sigh of relief when that happened? It was like, ah, oh, it is actually happening. Yeah, I did because I'd been I kind of set up what I called the Scottish Association of Snowboarding, and along with the magazine to kind of create this kind of club, yeah. and it kind of took over from that. So I was quite happy to kind of hand it over because I just wanted to go snowboarding, and I was sponsored as well, so I didn't really have a huge amount of time to do it. So it was it was a welcome relief, and you know it was all then heading in the right the right direction when we had you know a magazine and yeah the organisation behind it. So I remember seeing your picture. I seem to have like a fairly good. I must have poured over these magazines because that was my only access to it. Yeah. So I remember pouring over these magazines. I remember we kind of copied it at our local dry slope a little bit. But you, I saw. Yeah. Did you have a sticker on your board that said "Snowboarding's not for sheep"? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's that? Tell me a bit I've about that. I've still got a few left. Have you? Yeah. Oh man, I need one of those. <laughs> okay. Um, that all came about because before I got into, well, as we started snowboarding, I go up to Glen Shee and you'd watch the skiers come down the hill and they would all kind of come down in a, in a line, like a snake all the way down. And they just followed one another. And I just thought, they just look like sheep. They're just constantly following one another. Whereas when we were snowboarding, we were just all over the shop. You know, yeah. we weren't, we didn't follow one another. You yeah. know, you were looking for lines, jumps to go off. And so that, that's where that, that's where that came about. Snowboarding's not for sheep. Was there, I'm just wondering if there's something more, was it like a little, a club of you had them or something? It was like a little defining feature, like <laughs> we've got these stickers. I don't know, I just went to the, I just got a, I think it was an, an old girlfriend to design the sticker and we got them, I got them printed up. And just for, you know, just, and I'll tell you what, because the other thing at the time, it was skateboarding's not a crime. Remember there's those oh, like yeah. bumper stickers. Yes, of course, skateboarding's yeah. is not a crime. Snowboarding's not for sheep. It was kind of based on that kind of, yeah. Same kind of thought. I always so. the those and the chaos dressing gowns seem to go hand <laughs> in hand. I mean, I wasn't there for any of that, but that's they're the images that I sort of relate from that time. When I think of that sticker, I think of the chaos dressing gowns. Simon Smith. Simon Smith. Darren. Yeah, they all wore them. Yeah. So what happened? Like you obviously snow were riding for a long time. What what sort of when did when did as Ed said like when did the dust start settling on it and you sort of extended periods between going and then before you know it's a long time how did that happen? Um, 
I was I was I was writing for Burton and was you know competing yeah as much as I could and then um, I got to do this MTV thing called Run the Gauntlet Alpine Challenge right. where I represented the UK as the snowboarder and it was um, we filmed it out in Switzerland for ITV or someone and I, I went and did that and really really enjoyed it and. Um, you know, competed with 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 all these other guys, some world class guys, and it, it, was, it was really good fun. And then I came back from that, and was just kind of started to feel a little bit burnt out. It was just, yeah. I think it was about 1993. You know, we did that, and then I remember Simon Smith and Mark Webster and myself. We did another promotional video for something else, and came back, and and um, I was just starting to get a bit tired. It wasn't because the thing being kind of semi professional back then, you weren't paid a salary. You, you no. know, you were still trying to hold down a job and get as much time as you could away. Yeah. And, you know, by that point we'd been kind of doing it for six, seven years, which in snowboard terms was a, was a, was a long time. Sure. And, um, and then in the end, I, I, I decided I would have one last kind of stint. I was going to go to Oregon, go to Mount Bachelor for a season. So Mark, nice. Roth, Mark Rothwell and I went to, to Mount Bachelor. Uh, for um, did a season and after about the second week I really twisted my knee badly mm-hmm. and um, to a point where I couldn't really ride that well uh, so I went back up the mountain and was just taking photos for the magazines and stuff because I'd done a bit of writing stuff for the magazines yeah. and taking pictures yeah. and stuff and and then what I had a big part in the rest of my life was when I was there um, I went to this business centre and discovered the internet and saw the internet on this computer in this business center, and that right. just that then blew me away. Yeah, and um, I, I came back from that holiday. I'd been speaking to Al Fleming from Acid Snow, mm. who was also interested in the internet. And to cut a long story short, when I came back, I sold everything up, kind of quit snowboarding, moved down south to Staffordshire, and set up an internet business with Al. Right. Um, but here's the catch: it wasn't completely an internet business because he was running the snowboard clinic for the, the guys at, yeah, of at, course. at Grand, yeah. at Grand Prix. Yeah, worked for them for a while as well, didn't they? Yeah. So we had to keep the snowboard clinic business going. So we, we had this big um, barn in Staffordshire. And on the ground floor, we had the snowboard clinic. And then upstairs, we had uh, the internet business. And we kind of ran the two of them. But the, I have some regret now in that I wish we'd... We hadn't had the snowboard business because it was just a big distraction. Yeah. Because we were um, spending more time servicing boards and rather than, you know, making our fortune on the internet. Yeah. And um, but you know we we did we did it for a few years and then we ended up becoming the Northwave distributor for Northwave boots and bindings, of Drake course. bindings, and so we got more even more involved in it, and we took over from the Spree to Keep on, when, when they gave it up. And, yeah. Um, so that was, I just kind of like a lot of people, you got completely distracted and we would go to the snow dome. We were not far from the Tamworth snow dome. So when yeah, we were snowboarding, it was just down, down the snow dome at, at Tamworth, but it, yeah. just, it just became less and less as the business side of it, you know, really took over and we were focused down on the business side and it yeah. comes to a point where, you know, we weren't going abroad anymore to go snowboarding. It was just, just the snow dome. And then my, my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, she wasn't really into winter sports at all she wanted to go on summer holidays. summer holidays so from then on in we always went on summer holidays and i just basically stopped going and then and, and, and that was it yeah so i had a big break so what um you mentioned that 
was it a couple of years ago? You took your kids. Did well, Helen? Did Helen? Did was is Helen into the idea of doing it now, or did she? Is she like? I'm I think she tried skiing once. wasn't really her her thing. Yeah. So there was never any there was never any interest. So um, I um, my son a couple of years ago. Well, basically, I had a twenty nine or thirty year break. Never yeah. was on a snowboard, and then two years ago, my son was 11 he was really keen wanted to go snowboarding so he said right let's go for a long weekend yeah so we first of all went up to the snow dome at hemel right he had a lesson just to kind of get a feel for it and yeah. then we went out to, to val Terenz and um he's still very much a beginner he really he really enjoyed it we were kind of stuck on the nursery slope yeah but the amazing thing was i rented a board borrowed some kit off some friends of mine and you know stood at the top of the, the nursery slope put the board on and my wife and Helen had said to me look don't you think you should have a lesson first I was like I'm not having a lesson you're not having a lesson do you know who he's I was the, he's the rival button you can't have a lesson <laughs> can't have a lesson are you ridiculous if you were in so I put, oh, yeah, I, I put the board on and it, it, honestly it was just like riding a bike it was like I'd never been away you know there was just it was just you no know, it was still muscle memory call it what you want it was just natural so that, that, that was a big relief you know yeah. I, didn't, I didn't need the lesson do you ever so, think of like when when you weren't doing it like I do it walking down the road, you see like a ledge or something, you're like, oh, just could just do like a, you know, a spin onto that and a grind and then yeah. off. Do, do, do you have that? I still do it. I mean, I've still got a BMX. I still, have ride, you? My, I still ride my BMX. Yeah. Sweet. And a skateboard down the Lagoon Skate Park. So, yeah, no, you're always, I think you're always like that, looking for terrain. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that was just natural. So then that holiday, he we never really got off the nursery slope. And then last year we went to Teen and, uh, we went and stayed with um, uh, Dragon Lodge. Dragon Lodge, yeah. of course. I know John very well. John and, and, Will. and Will. Will Hughes. Will's out yeah, there, so Will's it? out there. Um, John's here in Brighton. So it was, it, was, it was towards the end of the season. Yeah. We timed it perfectly. He said it was a friends and family week. Yeah. So there was other boarders there. We went, we went and stayed there just for a long weekend. And my son, Atty, he just loved it because we were mixing with other snowboarders. Yeah. It was much better vibe than just staying in some nondescript hotel. You know, you really felt you were in the culture there. Yeah. And Will, you know, hasn't changed. He's still the same. And um, you know, literally has stuff. Just say he's made us made us very welcome. He's a great cook. Yeah. You know, and we we'd a, we'd a great time. You know, thoroughly recommend Dragon Lodge for you know snowboarding and skiing with skiers there as well. But anyway, we went out and within about an hour of the first run it just clicked for Addy. he was linking the turns yeah then after that we were off the rest of the holiday up the mountain and amazing you know by the end of it i was teaching him to carve not to slide down the hill and carve and he was trying to do jumps and so now he's obsessed you know he keeps yeah. asking me all the time when are we going snowboarding again when are we going again so we'll, we'll go again probably back to dragon next year with adrian and his kids i think as well so and johnny weeks hopefully maybe johnny yeah yeah. Or anyone else who wants to come? Maybe you want to come? We we'll organise a big posse. We we'll all go. come for sure. We're talking yeah. about it. Um, we're going to go and stay. Do you know Chris Moran? Yeah. Well, he's just finished renovating a place in Bozell, just underneath Maribel. Oh, okay. And uh, he comes here a lot. When he's over, he comes here. He gets all his posts sent here. Okay. So we know when he's coming because parcels start turning yeah. up. <laughs> Our hallway fills up with parcels, and then he turns up and takes them. Excellent. So yeah, he's he yeah. We're hope we're just we we're talking with that with friends today. Just like okay, first week of the Easter holidays, let's finally get the kids out there. Let's go and make it happen in yeah. some shape or form. You know, I don't know if they'll like it, but they will. They'll love it. 
I figure... Take them up to Hamel for just one session. Yeah, on yeah, yeah, we were talking about Knockhatch, you know, like the dry slope. Oh, yeah. Snowflex place. Yeah. You know, sort of over in East Sussex. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think it's sort of time, because mm. I've been away for sort of five years. Yeah. And given that, you know, it was my entire life for a long time, it's just craziness that we haven't done that. No. And it's mostly just through money and just being a parent. Yeah, exactly. But we're now at that point where it's like, I think they'll dig it. I think it's worth mm-hmm. putting in some time and money into it. Definitely. To get them to see what the mountain, even if they just, a mind, jaws drop at the mountain and they... Yeah don't necessarily click with the snowboarding no, but, just, but just showing them that world Actually, showing them a few videos you know and just you go up in that cable car at the top of a mountain and you come yeah. out onto the you know it's just it blows it blows your mind away i mean it's still did when i went you know that last time I mean, it was just yeah. amazing yeah I'm, so, i just i just kick myself that i gave up for 30 years yeah i should never have done that i should have just made a point of going you know yeah over those years so so given that, kind of over that time, what does like what does snowboarding mean to you? Like is it I feel for me that it's something that has absolutely shaped my life. So what 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 would you say? It has well it definitely it definitely shaped my life because I you know when I started snowboarding I was about I think 17, so a very yeah. impressionable age and getting involved in the way that we did with the snowboard scene and then you know it ultimately I ended up working in the industry so that was a major a major um, direction I headed in yeah and that led into you know internet and technology and I'm now very involved in technology technology companies and so on so I mean it, it's had a major part you know if I hadn't done snowboarding I don't know where um, you know we would have where we would have ended up which direction would have gone and you know maybe wouldn't have had any interest in technology or whatever maybe it's very difficult to say probably would have because uh, i kind of given up bmx skateboarding to focus in on snowboarding but i've kind of yeah. gone back to to riding bikes and, and skateboards now so but I, you know it's, it's the snowboarding that's also yeah brought that you know that interest back in so and what would you say to sort of if someone like or like me and you in this instance it's or you know not quite, because you've sort of discovered you were going again. I'm sort of yeah. I'm sort of still in. I'm still in the camp that yeah. is still waiting. You know, still trying to make that happen. What would you say to those person, or to the seventeen-year-old kid who who's heard about it or seen it at the Olympics or something, and thinks, oh, it's just another, it's another discipline. Do you know what I mean? Like, what would you say to them about snow? What 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 can it give them that other things can't? Well, I suppose the the Olympics were amazing, and when you yeah. watch them going off those kickers, but you know that's not what it's all about, is it? I mean, we didn't have those great big kickers when we were no. around. We were kids, you know. For us, it was all about free riding, and you know, th- I, when you see those big kickers, it looks really intimidating, and I think it would put you, know, you could put a lot of kids off. They mm. would look at that and they think, "Oh my God, I'm not going to do that. I'll break my neck." Whereas, you know, it's more about, you know, the, the, the free riding and just, well, you know yourself, when you get that first lift up and there's two feet of powder and you put that board on, I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing quite like that sensation of floating down the hill, is there? I mean, it's just, no. 
and the you know being in that environment of the mountains is completely different to you know to 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 anything else yeah and um and that's what you've got to experience and uh, yeah if you want to go and go off these kickers or go in the half pipe then that's great those are disciplines like slalom and giant slalom but that's that's that doesn't need to be about that it just can be about having fun it's all about having fun enjoying it yeah yeah i guess not many kids get in you know like the ski jumping where they hit these jumps that are almost 90 degrees there's not a lot of people that look at that and think oh that's for me no they might look at it and go that's mental yeah and i sort of fear that that's how people view snowboarding now and they don't get to see yeah, the counterculture side of it that we saw. Do you know what I mean? Like when mm-hmm. I saw it, there was you guys. There was Chaos the movie. There was Sean Palmer. Yeah, and snowboarders owned everything. Yeah. So they'd go to events that weren't run by snowboarders, and they'd be like, "Oh, we're disqualifying you because you've done an invert." And the snowboarders would be like, "Fuck you! <laughs> it's our sport. Yeah, we'll define what it is. You can't come here and tell us what we th- we should be doing. Yeah, or how it's going to look." And I worry slightly that, you know, sort of young people looking at it don't find it exciting because it's this unobtainable standard that they're looking at. And yeah. they're sort of missing the point. Yeah. Like no, going, doing a season with your mates, like 10 of you in a small apartment in France and just getting up and going up the mountain every day and having a laugh with your mates for a few months. Like that doesn't seem to happen. I don't know why that doesn't happen because that's like everyone, like from my point of view, Everyone should experience that, yeah, because well, it's yeah, so to, fun. Definitely, I mean that—that's that, what it's all about. But I mean, you know, when you like start any sport, you can have to start at the beginning, aren't you? You're not going to yeah. be going off the off these big kickers. But I do, I, like you say, I do worry that maybe kids get put off. Maybe they feel intimidated that they don't want to try it. Yeah, when they're watching the Olympics and these extreme, I mean, they're you know these are athletes at the top of their game, aren't yeah. they? What you know, they're gymnasts, really. Yeah, that just so happen to have a snowboard strap to their feet. So um, no, there's so much more to it than you know than that. The free riding, the yeah. powder. So on that, tell me about your the best day of snowboarding that you can remember. There's probably a couple of ones. I mean. I always want to ride in a helicopter. When we did run the gauntlet, we got to go in a helicopter. Nice. So, you know, helicopter up to the top of the mountain, yep. jump out, ride down, fresh powder. I mean, that, that's hard to be helicopter above filming you. I mean, you know, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's when you watch snowboard videos. That's in Ala- movie in stuff, Alaska, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, with Sean Farmer and people like that when they were <laughs> riding. Um, another highlight was riding with Craig Kelly. Oh, did you do, that was that Burton thing. And Burton it was on thing. that program... Came, he came to he came to Scotland a very very brief visit, came up to Fort William, Johnny Darren and myself Burton team at the time drove up and we met him, um, at Anik Moor, and you know there wasn't a lot of snow it was misty yeah but we hiked up found this big patch of snow and did and did a few did a few runs with him, and that obviously I mean Craig Kelly was like the man you know he was a god yeah snowboarding yeah he was head so, and shoulders above everyone else yeah so, so to meet him you know he was a, a, a global ambassador he was traveling all over the world yeah um and all he really wanted to do was go and have a pint of guinness so afterwards we all went to the <laughs> pub and, and drank guinness so you know that was um that was another kind of highlight um but i mean there was just you know there was a huge difference between riding in scotland and riding 
you know, in the continent, in, in France and Austria and stuff, yeah. as you know, and then even going to the States, you know, we traveled all over the States, Colorado, yeah. Vermont, everywhere and rode, you know, and there's some, we'd always, you know, you, you always had the best days, like in Colorado or Mount Bachelor was amazing. Yeah. Because you know, it was, it was geared for snowboarding. Yeah. So some amazing, amazing days. I, I, I wish I could say some of my best days were had in, had in Scotland, but they weren't. Um, although you do, you, I mean, you, do, you used to get the odd day where the sun would come out and it would be, it would be glorious. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no, I think probably Colorado would be the top of my list, I think, for, you know, places to, places to go. It's interesting. And where, is there ever a time when you were somewhere and you just thought, wow, snowboarding's put me in sort of whatever it was like from meeting Craig Kelly and riding a little patch of snow in Scotland like or or you know kind of find yourself on the other side of the world and just thinking snowboarding's put me here like snow this is because of snowboarding what's like the sort of most out there sort of memory that you've got that is relates to that um, that's a really that's a really tricky one I mean, probably doing the TV stuff was, you know, to be representing the UK in this TV competition. That was quite a big highlight for me. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because that's not just snowboarding. There's a lot of cogs and wheels happening yeah. around that, and you're the focus of that. Yeah. Yeah, no, we had, you know, we had helicopters and snowmobiles and motocross bikes, and you know, it was like... It was quite unique. The, Were you the, like, I'm the, a kid from Aberdeen and all this is happening around me? Yeah, I guess. And representing, you know, representing the UK. Yeah. Um, which was, which was, yeah, that was, that was special, I think. Um, you know, there for a week, all expenses paid. Um, it was good fun. Brilliant. Um, yeah, have we... And what does sort of snowboarding mean to you now, like when you consider the whole thing? Um, I was I'm so glad I was a part of it way back then, you know, when it, when it, when it first started. You know, yeah. I always knew it was going to be big. I maybe didn't realise how big it, it would become because it definitely became very mainstream. Yeah. I remember writing articles in Snowboard UK and White Lines, you know, about it. You could see it changing. It no longer became this unusual sport that people looked at you when you did it. It just kind of became, mm. you know, that's about like it is now. It's more, more it's a mainstream sport. You know, when you go abroad, there's as many snowboarders as there are skiers almost. So, yeah. um, you know, and it's good to, you know, feel you've been part of that history and, part, you know, you helped help move the sport along. Do you feel like a, a kind of some sort of ownership, you know, or sort of far fathership that's not even a word is it fathership but like do you sort of see it and think yeah i'm part of that like when what? you see jenny win a bronze you know when when she becomes the first person from the uk to win a snow-based olympic medal mm. do you sort of have that like that's an extension of what, yeah, I've never what really, we were i've never really th i've never really thought about it like that to be honest um i think it's great that you know, we're a non-Alpine country and we can produce, yeah. you know, champions like that. I mean, it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, I, I think, 
it, I think snowboarding would have happened, you know, no matter what I did or anyone else had did, it would it would have all it would have all happened eventually. It might have just taken a little bit longer, but um, it definitely would have happened because it was just such a new and fun sport. Mm. And it was, um, um, I mean, I because I, I, I'm not involved in the industry now. I mean, I, I saw Jeremy earlier this year. He came by for a cup of tea, and it still seems to be a healthy sport. People are still buying boards and you know it's maybe not as popular as it was but i think yeah. it's still pretty consistent people earning a living out of it and you know doing well yeah and obviously professionals getting paid to to ride and which which must be great you know yeah i maybe sometimes wish i had maybe been the third or fourth wave when you could earn a living yeah and be paid to do it as opposed to just doing it as a kind of pastime hobby but then maybe that comes comes with a certain freedom that you can create what opportunities you want and and have this you know almost you had the sport to yourself for a while you know yeah I guess so and that must be a, that must have been a nice thing to be that there's two of us doing it and, no, and we don't know anybody else that must have been <laughs> that that must be incredible yeah well there were I mean to be fair there 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 were other people doing it we just hadn't hooked up with them i mean i remember one of the very very early persons was a guy called hugh parsons yeah from wales right. and he was around doing his own thing you know so i would never say we were the the first we were maybe one of the first in scotland but certainly not first in the uk but um you know among the a handful of people who kind of got started i think all around the, the same time so there we are stuart duncan absolute legend and pioneer and what a pleasure to spend some time in his company such a sort of gentle spoken thoughtful person and i really enjoyed that and yeah as i said before uh, he lives around the corner from me so i get to hang out with him a bit more hopefully soon so what's been going on uh, i took delivery of a big pile of old snowboard magazines at the weekend um, including issue one of snowboard uk which oh my god talk about taking me back i remember picking up the first copy of snowboard uk in charing cross wh smiths and just being so blown away that there was actually a scene there was actually a publication devoted to this and there were other people doing it um so yeah, kind of picking that magazine up and leafing through it because I had studied that magazine from front to back and probably most subsequent magazines since. Absolutely. I mean, that was the only gateway I had into the UK scene. It was the only way I knew that anything was even going on. So yeah, kind of picking up that magazine was taking a proper trip down memory lane, uh, which was really fun. And as soon as we get our Instagram sorted, I'll be starting to post little bits out of those magazines up, which hopefully you'll find them really interesting and fun or just quite laughable. There's a really fun picture of Chris Moran, which I sent him, where he looks about 12. And uh, yeah, really made me laugh. So yeah, that's been going on. So, And we've also been digitising some movies. Um, we've put up Chaos the Movie, the sequel... And the invasion and going up now are a copy of The Garden, the old Volcom Stone classic. 
um, what else? Critical conditions and the hard, the hungry and the homeless. And also creating a playlist of not all shred films because that would be pointless, but certainly I would say the most influential ones from a, from my perspective. Um, they're up on the YouTube channel. Thank you, Snowboarding, as we speak. So you can go and check that out. And that brings us to the top, the music at the top of the podcast. Um, it's by the Gutter Brothers called Still Waiting. And it's from Chaos the Movie, which was probably the original British homemade low-budget or no-budget snowboard film put together by the clothing band brand Chaos back in 92, 90, no, 93, possibly it came out. I don't know. But uh, yeah, that's up on the YouTube channel and that song is from it. And it just... It just sort of shows a gloriously British take on snowboarding. Everything's kind of homemade, making the best out of what you have available and trying to emulate what you'd seen in magazines from America, basically. And it's a great thing. So go and enjoy that. Um, what else? We, uh, I guess if you follow any Alp-based business or people, you'll see that it's been dumping across the Alps looks like really great early season conditions so if you were thinking about a shred trip and you could maybe you could probably do it quite cheaply at this time of year obviously people don't gamble on the early season too far ahead so you might find that there's some really good deals before christmas uh, that might be worth taking care of to go and get your shred fix and you might get some early season pow so obviously be careful with early season pow you know, Mike, Michael Schumacher is a case in point, not wearing a helmet, going off piste, banging his head. Don't end up like that. Early season power is a bit of a dangerous game, so be careful. But do go and get your shred on. If you're thinking about it, then pull the trigger. You won't regret it. And yeah, just want to send another big shout out to The Reason magazine. If you haven't seen the latest issue, then it is a beautiful thing. Get in touch. It's the only magazine left in the UK. They put a lot of love and work into it. And it's now sort of elevated from a magazine to being quite a beautiful thing. So grab a copy at The Reason Mag and put it on your coffee table or put it in your loo either way just so that when you've got a few spare minutes or you're having a dump, you can uh, see some see some shred and get stoked. So, yeah, apart from that, if you have any snowboarding-related stuff you want to share with us, you can get us on the email at thankyousnowboarding at gmail.com. Basically, if you want to tell us anything, anything you want to share with the community, we've been getting some really nice messages in just in support of the podcast and people saying that it's making them getting them revved up for shredding so if you want to get in touch and tell us something whatever it may be anything you want to share with the community then yeah it's thank you snowboarding at gmail.com and next week we are having becky malthouse on the podcast a really fun conversation with her Again, more history than and stories than I knew about. And it's a really great, really great chat with her, getting to know her a bit better. We were sort of friends. We sort of knew each other a bit. But 
never really got a chance to kind of hang out and chat. So that's next week where you can get us. So until then, take it easy. Thank you, snowboarding. Peace out. <laughs>